Well, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your son. Oh, we thank you for what you've done. And we thank you that you live and move through us and in us because of Jesus. And we thank you that there's nothing the kingdom of darkness can do about it. It is finished. Whoo. We can rest (laughs) in what you've accomplished. Oh, it's not by might. It's not by power. It is by your spirit. And so we depend on you. (laughs) And we thank you that you've got something planned tonight. We thank you that there are things that you have on your agenda. This is a divine appointment, God, on your calendar. And so we just yield. We yield to your agenda. We yield to your heart and what you're doing tonight, God. Have your way. Thank you that you have words of encouragement, God. You have direction. You have truth that sets us free tonight, God. And you have confirmation tonight, God. I thank you that you've got signs and wonders that will follow the word tonight, God. I thank you that it is completely according to our faith. (laughs) And so we, we have our expectations up there tonight. Because where you are, Holy Spirit, there is freedom. So we expect heaven in our midst tonight. We expect the kingdom to come. Yeah, we expect you to do exceedingly abundantly above all we've asked, above all that we've thought about, all the, above all that we've planned. And we expect you to do it according to the power that's already at work in us. <laughs> Thank you for the truth, Daddy. Ah, thank you for establishing us in the truth. And so we just, we say, do your thing, Jesus. We just release Jesus in a Jamie suit tonight. (laughs) Just to, to be a full expression of who you've created him to be. We receive him as the gift he is, God. And I just, uh, I know that there's, I just, I just have such an understanding that God knows everything about everybody here. Knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows what's keeping you up at night. He knows the miracle that you need right now. The one that you're believing for, for maybe yourself, your family, your kids, I don't know exactly where Jesus needs to show up in your life right now, but praise God, we have a Savior and we have a Deliverer. And it's it's right to need that. <laughs> we have a Redeemer. We have a, a, we have a King that never changes. And He's real and He's alive. Amen. And so I just want you to put your faith out there tonight. I don't know, just, just for a confirmation of the things that you've been saying in secret. You know, I mean, when, when Jamie gets under the anointing, you never know what, what, what nugget's gonna come out that's just for you. And so I just want you to, 
I want you to, I don't know, sometimes we come to church, we come to these services, and we've been to so many of them, we just kind of put it in the the service box or the, you know, we're going to hear a guest speaker box. But, you know, Jesus is here tonight. It's a real thing. It's a real reality. And, you know, he's sitting right there in you. And so I just want you to expect something tonight. We call it Supernatural Sunday for a reason. Because the supernatural is normal, amen? So, yeah. Well, Tiffany, thank you. That was so good to have you here. Thank you, Chris. That was awesome. And, Lord, we thank you for everything you're going to do. We thank you in advance. Bailey, you want to run up there and turn those lights up for me, son? Thank you. Awesome. Well, it's good to see some, I was going to say, New faces and old faces, but that sounds not good. There are no old faces here tonight. (laughs) There are familiar faces and unfamiliar faces. That's a better way of saying that. (laughs) To somebody who just had their 50th birthday, I'm allowed to say that now, right? I'm in the old, uh, I don't know if that's really old, but it feels old when you still feel like you're 21, you know what I'm saying, in a, in a 50 year old body, but. Anyway, I want to just welcome those that are listening by podcast. We have a, an audience that's all over the country. And I know there's people even here tonight who normally, you know, don't come up from the springs, but just listen via the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, raise your hand. If you, if you're checking out the podcast on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. That's a blessing to people. I'm always amazed by the feedback that I get from that. And so if you aren't connected on the podcast, uh, we are on iTunes. And uh, I know there's a way to get it on an Android, and I always get that question, and my tech person tells me the answer, and then when it's time for me to re-explain it, I never know how. So if you really are trying to get it and you have an Android, is there anybody on an Android here tonight that gets it on the Android that they could ask? If not, send an email to info at shalice.com, and I'll make sure we get a, a, a right response to you for that. But iTunes, the, just look up my weird spelled name, Shalice, and you'll find it. And um, I always tell people, it's definitely not your average Kingdom Believers podcast, right? We're, we're a religious-free zone around here. And uh, if you hang around me very long, you'll recognize that uh, detoxing from religion is almost a full-time job. We don't recognize how much it, it creeps in and how much we are judging things and how much we are... Uh, performing, amen, in our relationship, not just with God, but even with ourselves. You know, I was literally just talking to someone today about, you know, they just messed up in some area and, you know, and how that was just kind of holding them down and, you know, guilt and some of that stuff. And, you know, that's just, that's a, that's a hard way to live. And I'll tell you what, Jesus set us free from all that mess. Isn't that good news? It's so good that we don't have to perform anymore to be loved. We don't have to perform anymore to be approved or have favor or be blessed. Amen? And I tell you, we can't hear that enough because we live in a performance-based society, a performance-based religious system, and so it's a good reminder. So tune in on Sundays if you just need a good dose of of unfiltered, 100-proof gospel. Amen. Well, awesome. Well, we are going to jump right in. Jamie is here for one night only, so I want to give him as much time to minister. He's always got a fresh word from heaven. I know he's got um, a book that's about to be released. Speaking of that, if you haven't downloaded my my new book, 
You can go to thepathfreebook.com and download a free copy of my book. The um, print copy will be out in September. Uh, the publisher is still working on that, and then it'll be in bookstores uh, early 2019. So, but I'm already getting great feedback on that. It's a been a labor of love. So, Jamie, have you? If you, I'll let him talk about it. Um, but it's if you follow him on Facebook, you'll be familiar with some of the content. And if you don't follow him on Facebook, you know, do that because he's always got uh, some truth bombs that he's dropping that will explode your your thinking, which is good. So anyway, without further ado, Bishop has been with us. I mean, now going on how long? Bishop, five, five, five or six years now. We've been in relationship. Um, you know, he's had a great impact on my ministry, not only personally through just the council. He's guided me and my family through so much transition and really has been instrumental in giving me personal permission. <laughs> not that I needed that necessarily, but we all kind of need someone that that sees you in your in your quirkiness and in your individuality and recognizes that maybe, just maybe, Shalise didn't fit in traditional things for, for a reason. Maybe it was by design and that maybe, just maybe, you know what, it was, it was okay just to go and blaze the trail that, that God has called me to do that. And so Jamie has always seen that about me, has always encouraged that in me and goodness knows in the territories that I've walked through and where I'm going, um, as a trailblazer, that's important, you know, and I, I feel like I've, it has empowered me to do the same for others. I see emergers are here tonight, and I know I would think that you guys would, would say some of that's rubbed off on me, and so that's something I really admire about Jamie. It's something I really appreciate about him is uh, just uh, the, et, the yes and amen to uh, who we are in the kingdom, and, uh, you know, I... Uh, what would I say about that? I just, I just can't even stomach cookie cutter Christianity anymore. You know, where we're, where we just, 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 just not good. And so I just really embrace that about him. And he's also just the relationship through the network and other people. I mean, those of you that know Nate and the impact that he that he's had here in my ministry in this region uh, and birthing emerge all of the things that we're doing. I mean, it's just really been a God connection, a godsend, and um, Jamie's just a a one of a kind as well, so I'm so happy he's here, I'm so happy he took the time to come up the mountain and spend the night with, tonight with us, and uh, I'm expecting big things, so let's just uh, greet him with the honor that Bishop has in him, thank you so much, Shalise, um, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. I like to I like to use the language. I think it's a, a difference of you know religion and traditional systems try to conform you um, to their ways, and you know real real kingdom relationships are about confirming you for who God made you, rather than trying to conform you to be uh, you know like one of them. And so uh, I. I've always looked forward to being able to spend a little time with them and Brian and the girls, all three of them, even little, I know, even, even, even little Katie who pops out everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. That is, that is part of the beauty and uniqueness of Shalice. There's no doubt about it. 
the Christian Paris Hilton. I said, no, no. <laughs> She's like, it's true. But uh, anyway, it's great being here tonight. Had a great time uh, last night uh, down in the Springs at Pulse. And then this is a short trip for me. I head back uh, again tomorrow back home. I actually just came off of, I, I told everybody <clears throat> last night, uh, this tonight could go one of two ways. I just came off a two-month sabbatical. And so uh, it's the first time I ever did it, should have did it a long time ago. Now I'm encouraging all these young men and women uh, to do seven weeks every seven years uh, just because there's times you just have to disengage, especially uh, with ministry stuff, just emotionally. And I didn't go to church for two months. I didn't think about it. I didn't have to problem solve. I slept for the first three weeks. I literally did not realize how, after 28 years of traveling, I had no idea how exhausted I actually was. And I thank God that I did it because who knows what it could have led to. I mean, if I hadn't. And so uh, I had real clarity. By the third week, I resigned from about three or four boards. Uh, I mean, just a lot of stuff I was involved in that I realized it's time to stay focused on my lane. And, and this next 25 years uh, needs to be a lot more strategic. And so uh, <clears throat> that is that. So either one of two things will happen. Either you should have brought a sack lunch and we're going to be here all night because I ain't preached for a while. Or after after preaching last night, I'm out of preaching shape. It might go a little shorter than normal. You just, you never know. And so, uh, but it is great being here. Now, how many have absolutely never laid eyes on me before? Just kind of wave at me. All right. Uh, a few of you. All right. Um, I also have, because I know a lot of folks that have been around for a while, they've kind of got all my materials. Well, the book, hopefully, uh, will be coming out here by July. It's at the editor right now. And those of you that follow me on Facebook, I, I started something a year and a half ago just called Myths and Mistranslations. Uh, I ended up stopping at 70 of them. And it's just like biblical myths and mistranslations, things that we believed uh, about God, about the Bible, uh, that actually just is is actually not either in the original language, not in the book. I mean, I deal with all the stuff that's slanted in our Bible, which means it was added by translators. And there's just all kinds of things that uh, people, a lot of times, just haven't been informed about it or they don't know. Uh, I deal a little bit like uh, with uh, kind of the devil and origin and you know, I mean, the, 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 for my first myth is the one that got the most traction and it was Lucifer is not the devil. Truth is Lucifer is not a person. Lucifer is actually a description of the star Venus. It actually has nothing to do with an individual and it's only in the King James and New King James, uh, because it was, they use the Latin Vulgate in all new translations, which use the actual Hebrew. It's actually translated morning star or day star. It's actually talking about a star. And the individual that Isaiah 14, it's only found one time in the Bible, Isaiah 14 is talking about, is actually, uh, is actually the, one of the kings of Persia. Uh, and it's, it's, anyway, it just has nothing to do at all, uh, with, uh, with who the devil is. Jesus, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning, not Lucifer. All right, and, and I'm going to believe Jesus over anybody else, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you. So there's just a lot of stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff we've swallowed, a lot of stuff we believed. I mean, how many, how many have heard most of your, most of your life that when, that when the, you know, when Lucifer <laughs> fell from heaven, a third of the angels went with him? I mean, you ever try to find it in the Bible? 
I'm listening. It'll actually blow you away. I mean, in fact, do you know the verse people, people use? They use a passage out of the book of uh, Revelation where it said that, that when the, when the dragon's tail uh, whipped around, it took a third of the stars out. And it's like, the, first of all, the whole book of Revelation is discussing more about something that was going to happen, uh, to Jerusalem. And actually, when you study stars, the first time, it's the law of first mention, the first time stars are actually mentioned in the Old Testament, God is speaking to Abraham and he said, I'm going to bless your seed as the stars of the heaven and the sands of the seashore. And in 70 AD, when the temple was destroyed, 1.3 million Jews, literally a third of the angels, a third of all Israelites were destroyed and thrown in Gehenna by, by the Romans. And so, I mean, just the idea that it's a third of demons, uh, you know, it's, it's just, anyway, sometimes we just trust me. I mean, I think you'll enjoy the book. I'm going to do the ebook first and all that and everything else. And, and it's, it's not an exhaustive, the truth is probably each myth could be a book by itself. Uh, but it's just to get people to think. You know, because there's just stuff we've been taught most of our life that just really doesn't have scripture to back it up or history even to back it up. And so there's some, there's some fun, uh, there's some fun stuff in there. And, uh, the last one I never put on Facebook and, uh, I feel the freedom to at least say it here because y'all are normally not a normal group anyway. But, uh, the last myth was God doesn't send anybody to hell. They send themselves. Uh, first of all, that's a nice thing that we like to say because it makes God look better for us. When our, when we tell our friends about how beautiful Jesus is and they're like, yeah, but what about him torturing people for all of eternity? We're like, oh, well, God don't do that. No, God, God don't do that. People do that to themselves. And I, and I was like, really? You know, I mean, so you have the power to send yourself to heaven or hell when Jesus has the keys to both? Anyway, listen, nobody goes in or out without Jesus. Period. He has the keys. That is authority. Okay. So it's stuff we like to say because it's actually repulsive to us. The idea, anyway, of eternal torture. I mean, at least at least come up with you know. There's three main views. At least do something other than that. But anyway, it's repulsive to us, and so we've got to come up with this idea uh, that you know. Well, actually, no, 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 no. You send yourself by. By not believing, but if you take the book of Revelation literally, which a lot of people do, I don't, but a lot of people do, then it actually, at, at the final judgment, everybody, wicked and believe, stand before God, and he removes the wicked, and it says, cast them into the lake of fire. So that doesn't sound like they sent themselves. Anyway, so anyway, just, just I said, just know, and again, I, you know, I translated that a little bit differently, but I mean, it, the book was more just to get people to think. The thing that frustrates me most about most evangelical charismatics is they don't want to think. Do, do, do you know, you know when Jesus quotes uh, an Old Testament passage, Old Testament says, love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. But you know that in the New Testament, Jesus adds mind to it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's like, listen, I want you to use your brain. All right, engage your thinking. Yes, listen to your spirit, but engage your thinking in your walk with God. And so a lot of that is just, it's coming up to a place where uh, we just think. And so ho- hopefully I didn't already lose anybody or irritate anybody too bad. Just with, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 pro- it's probably true. And uh, the truth is, I mean, I mean, the, the myth stuff, I mean, that's been 20 Twenty-eight years of 
of study that they just started coming out of me one day and a bunch of people were like, you know, is there a way that is you have something that these are all together in one spot? And I'm like, probably got to make it a book. Uh, nice thing is, is I didn't have to go write it. I already wrote it. So that was really nice. And so it's being edited. And then we've got someone, uh, a young man in Bloomington, Indiana, who's working on a, a cover for us and stuff right now. So hopefully, hopefully very soon. So anyway, that's some fun stuff. Also back at the table, uh, I carry with me four USBs. And uh, they're a little bit about everything you can imagine in there, but it's about 63 hours of teaching on about every kind of subject you can imagine. They're $35 a piece. They're 14 to 17 hours of teaching in each one. Uh, the yellow one is called Love and Order. Uh, there's nine messages on understanding God's love for you and then how that manifests out to others. And then there's six messages on government on fivefold ministry, apostolic DNA, how the church started apostolically, and then how we metamorphosize through history, and God's trying to get us back to the original intent uh, from uh, his desire, uh, finding your gift, everything else. Red one is called metamorphosis. There's 14 hours on the saving of the soul and the renewing of the mind, because Peter said the end of your faith is the saving of your soul, not the beginning of your faith. Truth is, when you got, when, when you believed, when you got quote unquote saved, which I'm going to talk about here in just a little bit, cause we're, I think we've been half confused about what that even means, uh, is that your, everything was completed and finished in your spirit, but now you work out your salvation. You don't work it in, you don't work for it, you work it out of you. What's in your spirit needs to get into your mind, your will and your emotions, spill it on your body, and there be a transformation from the inside out, and we know the Holy Spirit is the best at that. Thank God for the Nates. That helped facilitate that, but the truth is we're self-governed because the Holy Spirit lives in us, and he wants to bring everything finished inside manifesting out of us, and so that that's some really fun stuff. Uh, also, the white series is called Identified. There's eight hours on your identity in Christ, four on grace and faith, and I think five on sonship, and then the blue series is about 15 hours on how to understand the scriptures. Uh, how to study them correctly, how to get proper context. Historically, there's more than 300 figures of speech uh, in the Bible. You know, the, I, always, I always have people want to argue with me, and it's nearly always charismatics for some reason, or Pentecostals, and they're like, well, I don't need to read anything. All I need is the Bible and the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, okay. Pretty much conversation is done right then because uh, it's it's not the if you think you can understand a first century book with just you and the Holy Spirit, uh, that means that uh, you're you, you you're so in tune with the Holy Spirit. If He tries to explain Second Temple Judaism to you, you're going to know exactly what He's talking about. Because the truth is, you you can't even fully interpret the New Testament without even understanding Second Temple Judaism because Second Temple Jews were not Old Testament Jews. They'd been infused with 400 years of Greek thought and Jesus understood that and Jesus told parables that were Greek fables to actually help them understand stuff. So, I mean, if you don't even understand how first century Jews thought, I, I, I had someone want to argue with me on Facebook not too long ago and they said, I believe the Bible's so simple that an eighth grader, you know, an eighth grader can understand it. I said, I agree if you were a first century Jewish eighth grader. But a 21st century American 8th grader, I tell people the Bible's not a children's book. You know, I'm, I'm telling you it's not a children's book. I tell new believers all the time, read the New Testament, except for the book of Revelation, and Psalms and Proverbs. Don't read anything else in the Old Testament until you take my class on how to interpret it. Because <laughs> you're going to get in a mess. You're going you're gonna to read stuff and go, huh? God said? 
God said when you go in and you go to war, that when you go to that battle, kill all the men, then take the women and children as slaves, but make sure to save all the virgins for your boys when they get home because God's good with sex slaves. That'll, that'll freak you out a little bit if you've never studied the Bible before. Or, anyway, are y'all here? Did y'all even know that was in the Bible? Anyway, just... Uh, listen, I'm telling you, there's some terrifying stuff in the Old Testament that'll actually freak you out if you don't understand covenant, if you don't understand context, and especially if you're a new believer and all you know is Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We tell him Jesus is awesome. He's a good, good father. That's who you are. We're like, oh, this is wonderful. And then we read, he's killing and euthanasia and I mean, just wiping everybody out. They're like, dear God, man, you know, Jesus is awesome. His daddy's got issues, but you know, anyway. <laughs> And that brings, that then tends to bring a lot of confusion to people. That's why it's not a kid's book. I mean, I grew up in Sunday school, you know, and, and they teach you Jesus loves little children, all the children of the world. And then they tell you the story of Noah. <laughs> and I was like, well, he didn't love those kids. I mean, I mean he, he just took them all out during the flood. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's like a little horrifying. I mean, I... <laughs> I mean, just, you know, we don't want to think about it sometimes because we that have been in the church for a while, we just, you know, we just swallow all of it. We, we don't even, we don't even think that maybe there's another message there. Maybe, maybe it was a Hebrew narrative. Just, just maybe there's other stuff going on. And, and, uh, so anyway, uh, I, I, I encourage you. There's 14 hours on that. That's some really good stuff. And I've taught it. Uh, it's a master's degree at one Bible school. It, it was curriculum at another one. And, uh, but anyway, uh, now, uh, I'd really encourage you to get those. So, uh, you can stop by and see me after. So anyway, let me get to my assignment for tonight. Turn with me to second Corinthians five. Uh, the two months of my sabbatical, man, this one, uh, I, I really, I couldn't get out of second Corinthians five for a couple months. And, uh, it was just stirring in me because we get uh, we get taught in the church world sometimes that the goal of the Christian life is to be in full time ministry, and I, I I realized a long time ago. I mean, I've been I've been preaching on the gospel of the kingdom since about 1994, and I, I I've said a statement for years that every believer is called into full time kingdom ministry. There is nobody that. Uh, that is above, nobody that is beneath. Every individual, everyone in this room, you are called to full-time kingdom ministry. Now, there's a difference in what we would call full-time church ministry, but full-time kingdom ministry is what we all are. But rarely, when we think of the word ministry, most of the time we're thinking about preaching, teaching, and singing, or being on a staff in some type of ministry. And we're not actually using the biblical phrase. Matter of fact, Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, the purpose for the fivefold ministry is to equip us to do the work of the ministry. And if we were to go around the room, probably every one of us in here would have a little different bent on what the ministry actually is. But 2 Corinthians 5 actually tells us what the ministry is. And the sad thing is, it is what the church tends to be worse at rather than the best at. Second Corinthians 5, read with me, starting in verse number 14. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge this way, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them 
and rose again. So who all did Jesus die for? Everybody. I mean, that, that just, uh, you just, it causes you to not be a Calvinist right there. All right. Listen, he died for the whole world. He died for everyone. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, Paul's saying we don't, uh, we don't pay attention to, to whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, whether you're red, yellow, black, white, brown, no matter what color you are. We're not focused anymore on your background. We're not focused on male or female. We know no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Of course, he was speaking to those people because many of them actually had seen Jesus. Yet now we know him this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone in Christ is is in italics, it means translators added it. Therefore, now anyone in Christ is a new creation. Actually, if anyone in Christ, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has, past tense, reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Everyone say the ministry of reconciliation. So Paul explains to us what is our ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. It's not the ministry of just preaching, teaching, and singing. It's not, it's not just the ministry of prophesying, even though all of that is a part of it. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or not counting their trespasses, their sins. This is a Greek phrase. It's also translated their falling away. It also means he's not counting their missteps. He's not counting. How many know we don't, we may feel like we don't trespass anymore, but we probably had a few missteps this week. All right. I mean, just your lapses. And he's not even counting your lapses against you. Boy, that's really good news. Because the older I get, anyway, I have a few lapses every once in a while. And has committed to us the word or the message of reconciliation. So our ministry is reconciliation and our message is reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, let, let me just read a few things so you to lay a little foundation, and then we'll get to it here tonight. Um, the idea of reconciliation, normally I think when we think reconciliation, we're thinking, okay, uh, I had a problem with you, and you had a problem with me, and we decided uh, to make those things good. We decided to make those things right. And this is... Uh, This is two main Greek words that Paul uses. One is katalasso, and the other is apokatalasso. And one is reconciled, the other is reconciliation. Both of them have similar meanings, but they give a total different concept and mindset. This word reconciliation means to be restored to favor, atonement, or to receive and do in the exchange of coins, uh, which... uh, It is used mainly in accounting practices where you get to the end of the month and an accountant will say, I reconciled the books. In other words, we, we brought everything back so that they were, uh, they were right where they need to be. And so, uh, our ministry is to let people know that they have been brought into favor. Now you see, I wasn't raised with that message. I was raised with Turner Burn. 
I was raised with very little good news. Most of the time it was pretty much bad news. God don't like you. Matter of fact, he never really ever did like you. But all of a sudden Jesus showed up. And because he liked Jesus and you got in Jesus, he now likes you. But if Jesus got out of the way, he would fry your behind because he don't really like you. And, and, and as one of the old, old writers said, he said, all that we are is snow covered dung. Isn't that beautiful? Aren't you glad to know that some of the greatest theologians of the world actually from the 500 years ago from the great reformation said all christians are snow covered dung because all you are is really poo you know but then you get snow covered because of jesus and then you got modern theologians who said things like this that now all all you are is that jesus is this red hot asbestos suit that is covering you that saves you from the fiery hot wrath of god isn't that just a beautiful picture Matter of fact, if you didn't know anything about God, wouldn't that excite you to want to have something to do with him? Isn't that good news? I mean, Lord have mercy. I mean, most most of the time when I was growing up, it wasn't this message that we heard. It was God's not really good with you. Matter of fact, we had to convince you that you were a sinner. I sat in a whole Saturday seminars where they taught us to use the Ten Commandments on people on the street because I had to convince you, first of all, that you were a filthy, rotten, stinking sinner because I had to ask you, I had to convince you that you were a lying, thieving, fornicating, blasphemous, uh, you know, pervert. And then tell you good news. Oh, but by the way, Jesus stepped in now and saved your life. And so what we did for years is we tried to use the law, which the truth is no one has been under law for 2,000 years. Jesus dealt with that. Gentiles were never under the law. And I've told people for years, the only way you get put under law is by going to church. Okay, you were never under law and you showed up to a church service and the preachers put you under a law that was never yours in the first place. Help us, Father. And then it jacked us all up. But then, then we, then it takes us 30 years after we convinced you you're a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking worm on the way to hell in a handbasket. It takes us 30 years to convince you that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because we convinced you you were a dirtbag for so long. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and say, no, I'm not. I'm actually as Jesus is on the earth. And it changes everything. But our message and our ministry is to restore people. And watch this, restore the world, not just Christians. Our message to the world is not, I see that sin you're doing. It's not to be the sheriffs of righteousness. It is to let the world know that, guess what? God was in Christ bringing favor to you. You now, you have favor with God. Matter of fact, the only way you didn't have favor with God is because you were an enemy of God in your mind. The truth is God always viewed you with favor, but you didn't view him that way. And so you separated from him. He never separated from you because separation is a lie of religion and a lie of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, I've always viewed you this way. I've always loved you. You are my beloved. You are my child. Matter of fact, I wrote your name down before the foundation of the world in my book of life. All the names written before the foundation of the world. I knew you before you were ever born. All the days ordained for you were written in the book before you were even born. My heart has always been good towards you. I've been for you and not against you. I mean, that's... Boy, when you share that with people, they're like, wow, that's cool. I actually sat next to an atheist on 
an airplane about six months ago, and I started sharing the ministry of reconciliation with him, and he said, that's not what all the preachers told me. He's like, you're telling me that God's good with me? But I don't even believe in him. I said, it doesn't matter. He believes in you. Yes. Yeah, but I, 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 I've rejected him. I'm like, but he don't reject you. He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, isn't that good news? He's like, well, I guess if I believed in him, it would be. <laughs> and I'm like, it's really, it really is good news, sir. And I said, he's not against you. He said, man, I've been told my whole life that God's angry at me. He don't like me. And it's been you preachers that have told me that. I'm like, I know. And 10 years ago, I probably would have been one of them too. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God he's patient with us. But now watch this. Two words. This word, apokatalaso, it is the word reconciliation, being restored to favor. And it involves two parties reconciling or being brought into favor with each other to be fully reconciled. But the word reconciled, Paul uses the word katalaso. And katalaso gives a picture of, of this, and I love this. It expresses the thought that one party has initiated the reconciliation and brought into favor from their end. It's called a conciliation. Conciliation is a one-sided piece that is done outside the will or knowledge of the other party or person. It is when one party decides to forgive the other and drop the case against them and wave the white truce of peace and then ask for a reconciliation from the other side. In other words, God in Christ declared a cotalasso to the whole world. He said, I'm choosing, I forgive you. You have now been forgiven. You have favor with me. And it, it, it would, it, it would be like if for some reason, uh, Shalice and I, you know, we were maybe on the outs, maybe because of misunderstanding and not understanding each other in our own minds. And she decided to be the bigger person. And she sends me a note one day and she said, I just want you to know something. When it comes to me towards you, we're good. I want you to know it doesn't matter what you've done. I forgive you. I'm good towards you. I want you to know that I love you. It, 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 matter of fact, it doesn't even matter if you respond back to me. I've made up my mind to be good towards you. That's what God did in Christ for the whole world. Not just a few people, the whole world. He said, I'm good towards you. But now a reconciliation, that's why Paul goes on to tell us, but now as ambassadors, we implore those that don't know this, be reconciled. In other words, respond back, and then there's a reconciliation, so then relationship can be what it needs to be. Uh, it is why, let me read a few scriptures, Colossians 1, 20 through 22, and through him... To reconcile all things to himself, having made peace by the blood of his cross through him, whether the things on earth or things in heaven. For once you were alienated and hostile in your mind, engaged in evil deeds. But now he has reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him, holy and without blemish before him. Romans 5.10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled. So when were you reconciled? When you were still an enemy. In other words, before you knew anything about God, before anybody ever talked to you about Jesus, he said, when you were enemies, we were, past tense, reconciled to God through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. So I need you to listen very close to this because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. 
2,000 years ago, the whole world was reconciled. It is so clear in the New Testament, I just don't even know how people want to argue about it. But the whole world still needs to be saved. I need to say that again. Reconciliation, katalaso, was from God towards us. But salvation is still by grace through faith. But let me explain this to you, and, and I pray I can release it. I think I did a decent job at Paul's talking about this. You see, it's only been the last 500 years where we have made salvation an afterlife issue. Uh, it is. It was mainly with the reformers that made the focus of receiving salvation a heaven or hell issue. Matter of fact, the word salvation, there's two main words in the Greek, sozo and soteria. Both of them mean saved healed, delivered, prosperous, whole, complete. Now let me ask you a question. What do you need to be delivered from in heaven? What do you need to be healed from in the afterlife? I mean, if salvation is only about where you go when you die, then why do you need sozo over yonder. You see, I was raised in the Pentecostal church, and in the Pentecostal church, you know, I mean, we talked a lot about heaven. And and most of the time, it was all the fun was when you got there. You know, everybody will be happy over there. Some glad morning when this life is over. I'll fly away, you know. Just a few more weary days ahead. Everything sucks down here. But someday when you finally get to Beulah land, you're going to finally be able to smile and have joy and have a party when you get over yonder. Without understanding that according to Ephesians, we're already over yonder. We're already seated in the heavenly Christ. Everyone in here is already in heaven. And let me say this, you were placed there 2,000 years ago. You didn't get placed there when you prayed a prayer. You don't get resurrected just in the future. You got resurrected when he got resurrected. When he died, you died. That is a done deal. It's a finished work. I mean, I, I remember reading years ago. I mean, Papa Hagen, Kenneth Hagen taught this in the 70s. Except Kenneth Hagen said the whole world has already been redeemed. The whole world's already been saved. The whole world's already been delivered. Listen, how many of you know that God isn't healing anybody today? He healed everybody 2,000 years ago. You just see it manifested today by faith it's our by his stripes you were healed it was all completed 2,000 years ago but salvation is something you need here not there see our soteriology I believe has been completely hijacked because our, our study and theology of salvation has still made it all about somewhere. And we get the idea that when we die, we're going to go three miles south of Mars somewhere. And everything's going to be floating around. And, and the way I was raised is we taught people about the sweet by and by. And we never taught them how to live in the nasty now and now. And the truth is, I don't need salvation over there. I need salvation here. I don't need help over yonder. I need help right now. I don't need deliverance over yonder. I need deliverance right here. But you see, when we put salvation, when we make getting saved a whole issue about where you go when you die, and I'm just going to make this very clear, okay? As a believer, we have confidence that when we stand before God on judgment day, we have no fear. So it's very positive to believe. 
All right. According to 1 John 4, we teach people the love of God so they have no fear to stand before God. But when it comes to the afterlife, I'm an agnostic. I don't know. All right. And anybody that tells you, well, I know what happens to people the moment they breathe their last breath, I wouldn't even listen to that person. They don't know. I don't even care if they say they had a vision and they went to heaven or they went to hell. The truth is, most of the time, the people that die and they go to certain places, it has to do with how they went to Sunday school, they were indoctrinated. Because what blows me away is when complete pagans who know nothing about God die, they always go to a white light. They never see fire. I don't know why that is. Think about it. Uh, Most of the time, it's Christians or former church people. Anyway, so anyway. I can't, I can't, I can't build doctrine on someone's afterlife experience. So when it comes to the afterlife, that's up to Jesus, not us. That's a really good place for an amen. amen. Who's in and who's out is up to Jesus, amen. not us. It's not my job to judge that. My job is to share the love of God so that people have confidence, boldness, that when they stand before God, they know I'm in. And I don't have to be afraid of nothing because my daddy loves me. Now, those that don't believe what happens to them, I don't know. There was a day I thought I did. The older I get, the more I read, and much reading and much study has made me mad. I just, again, I've become more of an agnostic. Who knows? It's up to him. He's the judge, not us. But now watch this. One of the reasons is because we don't understand what it means to inherit the kingdom of God. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but if I quoted a passage that said, like Revelation, liars, thieves, fornicators, these are they which will not inherit the kingdom of God. Normally our first thought goes to they won't get into heaven. And it most of the time, well, oh yeah, they're not in. But I want you to listen to this. You don't get an inheritance after you die. I need to say it again because it's extremely important. You don't get an inheritance after you die. You get an inheritance while you're still living because someone else died. Inheriting the kingdom is not about going to heaven, hell, anything else. Inheriting the kingdom, it doesn't mean there's not a literal heaven. It doesn't mean there's not a biblical place called hell. There, as a matter of fact, there's three places. But anyway, that's another discussion itself. It, it, it doesn't mean that there's not those places. But the issue is inheriting the kingdom is inheriting righteousness, peace, and joy now in every area of my life. See, if I'm lying, thieving, and fornicating... There's going to be areas of peace that are not in my life. Because if I'm lying to my neighbor and I've stolen stuff from him and I'm sleeping with his wife, I'm not going to have peace or joy. Because every time I get around him, I'm going to be concerned about whether he knows about it or not and if he found out. So those sin issues, God is not counting men's sins against them, but men count sins against themselves and against each other. That's why John said that when when you're praying, he said, said, "You, you need to go not talk to God about forgiving you. You need to go and confess your faults one to another because most of your sins are towards individuals because God's not holding your sin against you. It, sin is a moog issue with God. Behold the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. Sin don't freak God out. Sin doesn't put people in, in hell. It doesn't keep people from heaven. Sin was dealt with at the cross once and for all. But sin still affects us because sin leads to death. 
So the reason you don't sin is because sin makes you stupid and sin opens the door to the devil to reap destruction in your life. But, but watch this. Your behavior never puts you in heaven. Jesus's did. So your behavior doesn't get you removed from heaven. Boy, that's really good news because the way I was raised, I mean, you were out more than you were in. I mean, it's like you were in one minute in every service. That's why I got saved a hundred times before I was 15. <laughs> At least, at least. I mean, every Sunday night, the last stanza of just as I am without one plea, you know, because I was a horrible heathen at five. (laughs) Needed to be continually. But it was all about whether you got into heaven or not. Well, if you did this, oh boy, you're, you're out, man. And, and so it was constantly, he loves me, he loves me not. I'm in the kingdom, just got kicked out. My name's in the book, just got erased. I mean, it's constant insecurity. And so then when you're insecure, you don't know how to walk as a son because sons are secure. And I was raised eternally insecure. Constant insecurity. And so when, when things are done that way, Sin still affects us, but sin does not change God towards us. But our behavior does determine how much of heaven flows through us here. It's never been about us behaving to get there. It's been about our behavior flowing with life, his kingdom here. Um, even the idea of eternal life, eternal life, aeonia zoe, is a Greek phrase that is translated the life of the age to come. What, what believing does in eternal life is eternal life produces in you, you get to enjoy heaven now. You get to enjoy the life, the God kind of life of the age to come. And we are told in John that eternal life is knowing the Son and then also knowing the Father. It's about relationship. It is about walking that relationship out. But when the idea of salvation is only about where you go when you die, either up or down, and there's not really up. I mean, is God up? I mean, if we are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, that just kind of seemed, I mean, Jesus showed up and he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, it ain't up, it ain't down, it's, it's the matrix, man, it's a veil. You just peel the veil and you pop in. It's Tomorrowland. You go from one realm into another realm. It's, it's all right there already. I mean, is it an issue of up? Is it an issue of down? I mean, anyway, we just automatically, even when we pray, I remember, I remember preaching at a conference several years ago and it wasn't the stream I normally flow in and the whole, you know, the first three people got up and they prayed 10 minutes each. Oh God, rend the heavens and come down. Oh God, come down. And then every song was about God coming down and dropping out of the sky. I'm in the front row and I'm arguing with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I can't preach what you sent me here to preach. I'm like, I don't want these people to be mad at me because what I was preaching was Romans chapter 10. And Romans 10, uh, before the famous verses, it actually says this. Uh, do, uh, the righteousness of faith does not say, I will ascend to heaven and bring God down here. You know? Or descend into the depths and bring him up. But the word is now you even in your mouth. In other words, he's as close as the mention of your name. He's not up there. He's not down there. He's inside of you. 
and he's releasing now out of your mouth. And I said, Lord, I can't get up and preach that. These folks are going to get mad at me because all they talked about is trying to bring God down here. And Paul tells us, do not say. The righteousness of faith does not say, I will ascend to heaven and bring God down here. And the whole conference was about ascending to heaven and bringing anyway. So God gave me some wisdom on how to share it where they didn't get mad because I got up and I said, you know, we all flow in different streams in the body and we all, you know, there's ones we prefer more than others. I normally don't flow in you all stream. And I said, I just want to, I want to share something with you though, because during the worship, God made very clear to me what the ruling spirit over this region is. And it was like, all of a sudden, everybody's on the edge of the seat. I said, how many of you want to know what the ruling spirit over this region is? They're like, yes. They're waiting for Jezebel and religion. And I said, here we go. Are you ready? The Holy Spirit. And it was like, and then all of a sudden it was, and all of a sudden they start clapping and all of a sudden it dawned on them. Oh yeah. Jesus is Lord over the whole earth. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is the ruling spirit over the earth. What a shocking thought. You see, when our idea of salvation, it's about not getting into heaven, but how much of heaven is going to flow through me here. Because my behavior can disqualify me, not before God, it disqualifies me before men. That, that is why preachers that have messed up, it doesn't shake God. It doesn't change God. God says, my gifts and calling are without repentance. You know what? I still love them. I still anoint them. I'm still for them. That doesn't change between them and God. But how people receive them absolutely does change. Because people are a whole lot less forgiving than God. Someone needed to say amen because you've experienced that yourself. People will kick you to the curb so fast. They'll, they'll, they'll scream, transparency. you got to be transparent. And then when you finally are, then they freak out that you're not perfect, that your family's jacked up like everybody else's. you got dysfunction. And then all of a sudden, they don't receive from me anymore. It's like, you wanted me to be transparent. So the moment, the moment people start screaming transparency to me, I'm like, okay, we're, we're done. I'm like, you know, I have no problem being transparent. I'm going to be transparent with people I know can handle transparency. And some people can't handle it. We just want you to be real with us. Are you right? We, we want you to tell us everything we believe. <laughs> really? I don't, I, don't, I don't think you do. I think you'd be terrified. <laughs> Matter of fact, you don't even know all that you believe. There's some stuff you think you believe and you don't really believe it. I'm going to go ahead and go there. I don't believe, I don't believe any believer really believes in eternal conscious torment. I don't believe any of you in here. You might say, I believe that God's going to you know, be torture for all of eternity. Well, because if you believed it, I mean, how are you enjoying the abundant life? I mean, how, how could I enjoy going to a movie with my wife and my granddaughter if I'm convinced 80% of the people sitting there are going to be tortured for all of eternity? And how come I'm not warning them? And how come the Holy Spirit... I mean, how could I enjoy being in my neighborhood? Shouldn't I be knocking on every door? Repent! Repent! I mean, if you really believe it... So don't tell me you believe it. And if you really believe it and you're so cold that you're not doing that, I mean, really, are we that cold to the Holy Spirit that he's not gnawing at us 24-7? Tell him, 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 they're going to be fried. 
And then the way I was raised, not only are we supposed to, is God going to do that? But then if I don't tell him, I'm then getting judged for it. I'm like, I'd rather heard the gospel like on my deathbed because at least I get to stand before God. (laughs) But you see, sometimes until we get challenged, we don't think about this stuff. I've had people tell me, well, I believe it. I'm like, no, you don't. Because if you believed it, how how, how are you going to enjoy a vacation? How how, how come you just, some of y'all looking at me funny. Are we doing okay? You, You don't really believe it because if you did, you'd live differently. Now, the guy that goes out on the streets with a bullhorn in the inner cities eight hours a day and screams repent, he at least believes it. i got to give him some credit. You know, I mean, the guys that we walk by and go, oh, my gosh, this guy's son, he's just screaming at everybody. At least he believes it. I've got to give him some kudos for that. But most of the people that say they believe it, they don't believe it. Because if you believed it, you'd do something about it. Good teaching, brother. Hallelujah. Just, it's just reality. So maybe there's just other ways of looking at it and you need to actually read and study up on it. Google. We have Google. I didn't have Google growing up. We have it now. Now watch this. If I understand that salvation is for here, I stop making it an issue about over yonder. And I realized the whole world has already been reconciled. But man, they need to be saved. I preach the gospel to people, not to try to get them out of one place into another place. I preach the gospel to them because I want them to enjoy the life of the age to come. I want them to enjoy this reconciled relationship. I, I mean, I had someone say to me not too long ago, well, if, if, if hell isn't what we thought it was, then why preach the gospel? And this person is actually very close to me. He's preached for over 50 years. And I looked at him and I said, I've heard you preach my whole life. And your main message is it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. He said, that's right. I said, you don't believe it? Because if it's about a relationship, then we're preaching to people to let them know they've been reconciled in their relationship with God. We're not trying to get them out of one place into another. We say it's about a relationship. I'm not convinced we believe it most of the time because we have been taught, even in grace circles, we've been taught it's still about the afterlife. Who's in, who's out. It's about enjoying this life. Joel Osteen said it, your best life now. That's why you get saved. That is why, that is why Romans 5 tells us through his death, we were all reconciled, but it's through his life, his resurrection that we are saved. Because if I don't believe it and I don't confess it, I don't enjoy the benefits of it. So do people still need to get saved? Absolutely. Jesus is the savior of the whole world. He said in 2 Timothy 4, but especially those who believe. He already paid the price for everybody but it doesn't mean everybody enjoys it i like to explain it like this it's like the emancipation proclamation president lincoln declared you're no longer slaves you're now it's illegal for you to be in slavery you're now a citizen of the country but people stayed slaves for decades mainly because they hadn't heard about it you're they're still acting like a slave because they never heard they were no longer a slave there's people that are acting still like orphans even though they're sons and children of god according to acts 
17, they are the offspring of God. They're his genos, his children, his kind, but they don't know it. Our job in declaring the ministry and the message of reconciliation is to letting them know you are a child of God. You just don't know it, but you still have to believe it to enjoy the benefits of it. You see, I've got a good friend of mine, and he says quite often, he said, when we keep our message Christocentric, when we keep the focus on Christ, anytime you go too far to the right or too far to the left, you run into a thief. Something's going to be stolen from you. If you go too far in grace, it becomes just case, sarah, sarah. Hey, everybody's in. What does it even matter? I don't need to preach the gospel. I don't need to share. God already knows. It's all good. Kumbaya. I love you. You love me. We're just a happy family. Just grace, grace, grace. If you go too far on the way of faith, it turns into then a whole works righteousness because now I'm, 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 do, I'm activating things by faith, but you got to confess it just right. You got to say it just right. You've got to dot your I's. You got to cross your T's. Anytime you go too far to the left, too far to the right, you're going to run into a thief. That is why grace and faith is a beautiful thing. Christ already objectively paid the price for the whole world, already reconciled everybody. Salvation is already dealt with. That's why my believing doesn't make it true to me. My believing is because because it's already true. Because it's already true, I believe it, and then it becomes a reality. Something comes alive in me, and I recognize that in him I live and move and have my being. And by the way, that was before I ever prayed a prayer, because Paul was not talking to any Christians on Mars Hill. He's talking to pagans, and he tells them, listen, we're all God's offspring, for we are all come from one blood. In other words, everybody is his child. Amen. It's just a bunch of them don't know it. I think I preached here a couple years ago and shared out of Hebrews 2 that Jesus came to bring many sons to glory. That word glory isn't talking about getting people to heaven. New Testament glory, doxa, is translated honor, value, worth, and approval. So Jesus came to inform sons and daughters that you're honored, you're valuable, you're worth something. You're not snow-covered dumb. Huh? You, you have value. And guess what? I approve of you. I accept you. That is, that is his heart. That's what he came to bring. That's why when Jesus showed up, I mean, Jesus sees Nathaniel. Nathaniel had just told people he's not the Messiah. He's another false Messiah. Jesus even knew that he said it. And when Nathaniel comes walking up to him, he says, behold, Nathaniel, a man in whom there is no guile. He begins to speak to the sun in him rather than the sin in him. I wonder what would happen if the church would stop preaching to the sin in people and they start preaching to the sun in people. They might actually start acting like sons of God. See, that's our ministry. And that's our message. Our ministry and our message is you have favor. God's given you incredible favor. But you still need to believe it. Is this helping anybody at all? See, it's it's why, you know, the the, the pendulum tends to swing. And I heard uh, one of my kind of older grandfathers in the faith said years ago that truth ignored returns with a vengeance. That whenever we've ignored certain truths, when they are restored, it's like the pendulum swings way one way. And then it kind of starts to swing back. And then we realize that Christ is still the one at the center. He's the one we focus on. 
He is our ministry. He is. Matter of fact, when he says we preach the word of reconciliation, it's Logos. Jesus is the Logos. Our message is Jesus. Our message is we declare to you because of what Jesus has done, the whole world has been brought into favor. That's why God's not sending, he's not sending earthquakes. I don't care what prophets prophesied. God, God is not sending hurricanes. Because you know what always amazes me? I mean, why do the hurricanes always hit the Bible Belt? Anyway, I don't know if you've thought about that before, but I mean, if, if God is into destruction, I mean, why is it always the Bible Belt? It's always those rooted... I mean, I mean how come it never hits San Francisco? I mean... How come the West Coast don't get nailed with a bunch of these hurricanes? It's nearly always the Bible Belt. (laughs) Plus, if God is not counting men's sins against them, why would we think the sins of a city is going to cause God to... I mean, it just doesn't even make any sense. Let's be honest. God doesn't hold sins against anyone, but we do. We hold sin against people. We have issues with others we need to be set free of what we view and put on others god's given us the ministry of apocatalaso he said i want you to be reconciling everywhere you go i don't want you to focus on their sin i want you to speak to the son in them behold you are simon but you shall be peter he doesn't ignore what we are but he speaks to the son he meets Saul on the Damascus Road and he says, you are Saul, but you're going to be Paul. Do you know that the, the word Saul is actually a, a word that means to seek and to search out? Because his whole religious life, he was seeking and searching, constantly laboring, trying to find something. But then Paul gives a word. One of the meanings of Paul actually means settled. Because once you found what you were searching for, there is a rest that takes place. There's a settling that takes place in your life because you've heard the message of reconciliation. Listen, I've I've made up my mind that the rest of my life, I'm not preaching any other word than the word of reconciliation. The sin consciousness is done. It's out the door. It's to let the world know. That's why Paul said, we as ambassadors, we beg you, we plead, we implore with people, now be reconciled. Because you see, when President Lincoln made that declaration, People stayed slaves because they hadn't heard the message. Some stayed slaves because their masters kept the information from them. The God of this world has blinded the minds of men. But some heard the message and they'd been slaves for so long they just couldn't believe it. And so they stayed slaves. They were no longer, legally, they were free. But experientially, They were still acting like slaves, even though they were delivered and set free. That's the gospel. The gospel is not turn or burn. The gospel is not God's mad and then Jesus turned his frown upside down and became the father's Prozac. But the truth is, he's only the father's Prozac for a couple thousand years because when he comes back someday, he's going to come back with a bunch more wrath. I mean, you know, 
Anyway, most grace preachers preach all God's wrath was satisfied on the cross, but just for a couple days or a couple thousand years, because when God comes back, he's going to slaughter billions. You know, and that, that brings all kinds of confusion to people. And they're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought you said, I thought you said all the wrath was satisfied on the cross, but what's this wrath of the lamb in the book of Revelation? <laughs> That's why all these grace people are confused in their eschatology. Because <laughs> no one's given them a grace eschatology. They're, they're still, anyway, hallelujah. <laughs> That's one of my core messages. It comes out of me. I just, I just can't help it. Let's see, once I know I'm reconciled. Yeah, once I know I'm reconciled. Then I should be known as a reconciler. I mean, I mean, saints, let, let's be honest. The church is known more for who we fight than who we reconcile with. Most of the church doesn't reconcile the world. They're normally just fighting it, screaming at it, waving banners at it. Picketing it. God hates you. God don't like you. Romans 1. Because you got to throw scripture in there. I call it Ronald McDonald. You know, I call it old McDonald theology. Here, verse, there, verse, everywhere, verse, verse. That's why I don't get in arguments with people sending me all kinds of scriptures. Because most of the time they're out of context. You, know, you just can't pull a verse here and a verse there and a verse everywhere. Here, a verse there, a verse everywhere, a verse, verse. And then try to prove your theology. It, it's, it doesn't work that way. Because the truth is you can prove whatever you want. Hey, if I want three wives, I got scripture for it. If I want 900 concubines, there's, it's in the Bible. <laughs> but I remember when the, whole, when the whole gay marriage thing came out and everybody was just, oh, this is the end. For, God, the Bible is clear. Marriage is between one man and one woman. I'm like, have you ever read the Bible? One man and one woman. I mean, most all the patriarchs, man, they had multiple wives. I mean, <laughs> concubines all over the place. It's like, really? I mean, you're going to use the Bible. Anyway. <laughs> See, again, we don't think about this stuff sometimes. It's like, no, Jesus made it clear. It's between one man and one woman. That's why Jesus clears everything up. Thank God for Jesus. But the truth is, I can prove whatever I want with some scriptures. You want an angry God? There's some verses for it. You want a God that his mercy endures forever? Hey, got some verses for that. Truth is, you can pull a verse out and do whatever you want. It just it doesn't work that way. We're to be known as incredible reconcilers. We're to be known. That, that is why I think the thing that saddens me many times the most is about how people fall out of relationship with each other rather than reconcile because they disagree about something that is a minute issue. Most people, if they sat down and they wrote out what they believed in, most of us would probably agree on 90%. But we divide over the 10. We won't dialogue about it. I've had people call me a heretic and kick me to the curb when I've begged them. Could we at least sit down and have a conversation? Don't you at least want to know how I came to these conclusions? I mean, you realize I came to this conclusion because it's been a 13-year process and I've read 26 books on it. How many of you read the Bible? I'm like, okay, well, that ain't helping me. <laughs> I mean, you've not studied it at all, but but you know. Anyway, 
So no discussion, no dialogue, no. I mean, just you're demonized now. You're, you're, you're ugly. We don't like you anymore. When we are called to reconcile. Listen, none of us are going to agree on a hundred percent. No two humans agree on a hundred percent. Just get married. You'll figure that out really quick. Nor are you necessarily supposed to. When the Old Testament says, unless two walk together, how can they agree? It's, it's that they're agreeing on the destination, not that they believe everything the same. How can two walk together? In other words, how can they walk together to get to a destination if they're not in agreement? They have to agree on the destination. How they get there could differ. The journey, every one of us are on a different journey. And every one of us have come to different conclusions because of experiences, because of study, because of things that have happened to us, things that have happened through us. We've all had different encounters with God that have actually developed our view of God, how we were raised. I mean, if you were raised with a messed up view of God, that affects you for years. But when you're raised with a a view of a God of beauty, I mean, it's 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 a whole different mindset. So how we raise our kids is extremely Important to how they're going to view God someday. God's given us, Paul said, the ministry of reconciliation. And he's given us the word. We have really one ministry. Reconcile, but yet we have, we have people sitting on one side of a church that can't stand someone sitting on another side of the church. And they've been fighting for 20 years. And then we try to bring good news to a world that says y'all don't even get along we've got over 33,000 denominations and each one thinks they have the corner on truth and a lot of times won't fellowship with each other and most of the time people there's people that are hungry for God they're hungry for Jesus they're hungry for real spirituality but when they look at a lot of times what we offer they're like man I'm good no thanks that's why that's why people today are leaving corporate normal church by the thousands weekly. Folks that have been in church 40 years just don't even want to go anymore. They're like, I'm done. It's exhausted me because we've taught them the ministry of the church rather than the ministry of the kingdom and the ministry of reconciliation. The gospel we preached was the gospel of the church and not the gospel of the kingdom because the kingdom works at Walmart. Amen. Come on, the kingdom works... In every neighborhood. The kingdom works everywhere. If it only works in church, it's not the gospel. And that's where I'm convinced. We're, we're in the, I don't know if you realize that we're in the middle of a reformation. Amen. And right now, everything's being rooted up, cast down, tore up, and destroyed. But we're coming into a season where we're going to have to plant and build. But it's not going to look like it did before. And the people that only know what it was before are very uncomfortable. Extremely uncomfortable because all they knew was what they built. And now God is constructing something. And folks are saying, well, it's just all a bunch of liberals. It's like it never dawns on them. No, God, God is doing this. People are becoming dissatisfied. I, I'll, I'll never forget 1999. God said something to me going into the new millennium. He said, in this new millennium, I'm getting ready to strip from the church everything I never told her to do. 
And now we're 18 years into it, and I'm telling you, I'm watching it before my very eyes. Stuff that God never breathed on. And the church is just saying, no, no, not interested. No, don't want that anymore. Don't want to do that. And he's stripping it down. And it's it's terrifying to a lot of us. But in the midst of it, God is also bringing authenticity back. He's bringing a real New Testament Christianity where it's built on relationships rather than on personalities. That everybody in the body is a minister, not just someone up front. Everybody is activated in their gifts. Everybody is functioning and flowing. The whole body built up together. Finding purpose in his kingdom. Well, are we doing all right? Guys, I, man, I, I, pr- I pray you heard my heart, and I know I, I dumped a bunch of other stuff in there. I'm, ju- I'm just glad I know this group can handle it. And after I leave, Chalice can explain it to you. <laughs> as, as the truth is, she's probably a little more, a little more radical on some of this stuff even than I've been, and that's why I love, uh, love her heart for that. Our our job is really one thing. It's to love as he loved. And it's, it's to love radically. And it's to let people know, you know what? God's not holding your sin against you. I mean, that's such good news. God's not holding your lapses, your falling away, your missteps, your trespasses, your sins. It's not holding none of that against you. But he does want you to receive this great salvation. But that great salvation is not an issue of where you go when you die. It's about how you live while you're here. It's about the abundant life. It's about living a relationship with the Heavenly Father and the Son and the Spirit. It's about understanding our union with God. And that union has always been there. We just didn't recognize it because we were alienated in our minds. That's why Jesus showed up preaching, repent, change your mind. That's why we repent. We repent. Repent is not turn from sin. Repent meant to know I just means change your thinking. In other words, change your thinking about God. What you thought about him is not what he's like. He's like Jesus. And he's always been like Jesus. And he's passionately for you. He's crazy about you. His heart beats thinking about you. You're his offspring. And guess what? Even your enemy is his offspring. ISIS is his offspring. Paul was ISIS. Paul was out killing Christians and imprisoning them. And he had an encounter with Jesus. People that we want to bomb. People that we want to kick to the curb, they're still his offspring. There's not one human that does not have value in God's eyes. There's not one human that Jesus didn't die for. But we have to view humans the way he viewed them, because otherwise we can demonize them. And once you demonize them, then you have the KKK. Then you have the Holocaust. Then you have the Crusades. Because if I can make you one of those people, then I can treat you however I want. Preachers preached in the 1800s that black people didn't have souls. 
So it's okay if you strung them up. Don't have souls. I mean, how could anybody think another human doesn't have a soul? I said slavery is okay because Paul told Onesimus in the New Testament that he needed to obey his master without understanding the context of they were living in a slave society. It doesn't mean God was okay with it. Someone please say amen. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't okay with it at all. But they used the Bible to kill people, to enslave people. Because I can prove whatever I want, but it's not the heart of Jesus. And once I understand the message and the ministry, changes everything. Now I view every human as valuable. I look at him and say, man, you're in the image and likeness of God. You are, you have the imagio deo. You have the image of God on the inside of you. You just need to recognize it because he's in all, above all, and through all. There's nowhere God is not, period, including hell. That one got me in a lot of trouble. It's a myth. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you are even there. It's ridiculous to think there's a place God is not. If there's some place God is not, that means that place is a God in itself and you became a polytheist because you believe in more than one God because there's no place he's not. Amen, brother. Good teaching. Hallelujah. I mean, all you got to do is quote David and people get ticked off. Hell is void of God's presence. Who says? What? David didn't say that. He's there. He's everywhere. And he's constantly pursuing us. That's his heart. Lift your hands a moment. Would you do that? Father, I thank you. I thank you for your absolute amazing heart for us. Lord, I thank you that you reconciled us 2,000 years ago. You actually reconciled us before we were even in our mother's womb. You saw us. You know us. You wrote down our name. You know what we'd be named before our parents ever dreamed our name up, no matter how odd our name is. You know the very hairs on our head because you are truly a good, good Abba. The Holy Spirit, I ask that you help teach us. But I ask that you help every one of us in here, first of all, to be reconciled to humans that we already know we're not in favor with. Lord, even if all we do is what you did, we declare a catalasso. We declare, I'm good with them and I forgive them. Whether they respond back or not, it's not our problem. We made up our mind to forgive them, whether they ever forgive us. We make up our mind to be good towards them, to speak good about them, to love them unconditionally. Lord, do this in our marriages. Do it in our relationships with our children, with our families. Lord, that reconciliation be at the forefront. And then help us to declare to the world what your real message is and what real life is that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they have favor with you. Well, thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. I want you to do one more thing. Just put your hand on your heart, would you? I want you to pray something with me. Scripture says, I believe, therefore I speak. I think it's extremely important still for us to make declarations. Because confession is made 
unto deliverance. Confession is made unto healing. Confession is made unto wholeness, completeness. We still need to open our mouth, make a declaration. So pray this. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you reconciled me. I also thank you that I've become reconciled back to you. I have believed. And because of that belief, I'm not only good towards you, you are also good towards me. Now teach me to declare that everywhere that I go and everyone I come in contact with to release that message and that ministry. I'll thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now just lift your hands and love on them just a moment, would you? Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you. We thank you for that goodness. We thank you for that. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Release a few things as I was... Normally, normally I don't line everybody up. Normally, just as I share, God starts to give me some things. But um, last night, I mentioned that thing about uh, Saul to Paul for a reason because I kept hearing this just to encourage you, Shillies. Yeah, <laughs> she said, let, let, okay. So let me turn on my phone. At least it's not the nineties. Everybody walked around with a tape recorder. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Everybody walked around with them little tapes. Just to get, we got to tape this. We got to tape this. <laughs> uh, now we got phones. These devices are, are amazing. But I, I, I kept hearing this just to encourage you that for a lot of years, you were Saul. Uh, you were a seeker. You were a searcher. You were looking for, uh, looking for God, looking for everything else, not fitting. Um, but the more encounters you've had, with Jesus, it is, it has turned you into a, a Paul. And this is now a, a season that you're settled. It's, it's, there was a lot of striving before, like Saul, but now it's a season where those encounters have so transformed you that this is a season of just rest, but a lot of work. Uh, Lord, Lord said to me a couple of years ago, He said, um, as you're learning how to rest, don't fall asleep. Uh, you know, sometimes in rest, rest and sleep's not the same thing because there's times we sleep and we're not resting. That's why we wake up and the bed is all tore up and everything else. And we were sleeping, but we weren't resting. Uh, but as we've learned to rest, that we stay awake. And that in the midst of your resting, you've stayed awake. You've been listening and listening. And this is a season where he's just completely just settled you in your skin. And that uh, the transformation of a Saul a Saul to a Paul, and uh, and even that apostolic grace uh, growing more in you. But what I just kept hearing is it's going to continue to grow more in the marketplace uh, because the church really doesn't know what to do with it. They will in the future. Uh, it's just in this season, more of those doors are starting to open. Matter of fact, some big marketplace doors are, are getting ready to open up. I mean, even, um, I mean, there's going to be good success with this book, but it's going to be the next few. Uh, that are absolutely going to just explode some some doors. Um, that a lot of it's not necessarily going to be received churchy, uh, but it's going to be hugely received 
by everybody else. Uh, because the language that you're, you're speaking is going to attract them. Uh, because the Christianese is done. Uh, the churchianity is, it's by the wayside. That was Saul. Behold. This is Paul. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe not Shalice, but Phillies. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> She's like, no, I don't like that name. Don't call me Phil. My, my name ain't Phil. <laughs> exactly, which is just still all good stuff. Uh, during the worship time, I heard this just to encourage you. Um, uh, this is like a, a season of what? You know, it, it's, it's like, it's like, God, I, I know you're doing something to me. I'm just not exactly sure what next and, and what's coming. And it, it was like, as you were singing, I, I just, and, and, and there's times God show me this with people. It's like a big question mark, like over their head, you know, almost like the Riddler, you know, you have the big question mark, you know, where it's like right now asking a lot of questions and saying, okay, God, uh, I need some more clarity on this, and and I, I need to understand it's just what 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 now what next, uh, because you're in a, a huge season of transition right now. But remember, you know, transition, and and I uh, I mentioned this down um, with leaders in Pulse yesterday, but uh, years ago I was in the midst of a huge season where we were having a lot of change all at once, and I was laying in bed, and all of a sudden I saw the word transition like like it would be in the dictionary. Transit ion. You know, tran is movement, train, transmission. It's in, in the movement, sit on it. Or in other words, rest in the middle of it. Uh, because where you're going is not going to get there by striving or you making something happen. Father's going to open the right doors at the right time. But this is a season to just rest and, rest and detox and just chill. Hear that? Be okay in the chill seasons. Uh, I mean, when I took my, when I took my sabbatical, I had all kinds of my friends like, well, tell me how that works for you. Cause they just couldn't imagine me resting. I said, I have no problem with it. I mean, I didn't have any problem with it. And there's sometimes we can get so busy doing stuff, uh, that we start doing more than being. And father says, listen, it's just, just time to be you, uh, be the beautiful you that is you hear that. And, and he's going to answer all the questions. The Holy Spirit's going to make it all plain. He's going to make it all all clear. He's going to lead you down the right paths, the right direction. And uh, just relax in that. Hear that, kiddo? Just chill. Chill out. You, you, you don't have to figure it all out. There you go. That's right. That's right. That's... That's that, that that's that's heavenly Papa's heart. It it always is, always is. He's always extremely, extremely gracious with us, and extremely amazing to us. That's 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 Papa's heart. Um, no, I, we've not met before, have we? I don't think so. What are y'all's names, if you don't mind me asking? Say it again. Daylin. Daylin. Interesting. Where are you from? Denver, okay, because Daylin sounded like a Texas name or something. <laughs> but I guess this is the West, so maybe, 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 it's, maybe it's halfway close. Uh, what, do you, what do y'all do for a living? Okay, all right. Ah, yeah. Well, 
All right, okay, well, no, that's all I need to know. I just, you know, I ask because I'll see some stuff here and there. And and, uh, and then I, I still always ask questions because I'm, I, I, I do this a little more chilled. You know, I don't, I don't try to make it real spooky because that freaks people out. You know, thus saith the Lord. No King James with me. It's just not, just not working. This is all naturally, naturally supernatural. Absolutely. You know, I'm, and I'm probably more message in my thinking than, <laughs> than even, than even, than even that. It's just kind of how I function at work. Um, I, I know you said ministry, but uh, what, what did you, what were you doing before ministry? Ah, okay. Now, did you retire from that? Did you? Okay. Yeah, he's ready. Okay, no, no, no. Well, listen, because I, I, I just kept, I, I, I kept seeing this again. When it comes to ministry, a lot of times systems that we've been around makes it be either or rather than both and. Because there's graces on you for church and that ministry, but there's also graces for marketplace. And and don't think it's one or the other, because sometimes we think, if I'm going to do this, then I have to stop all doing that whatsoever. But a lot of times, that is what helps fund this. And, and, and don't just automatically think to just kick it to the curb. Now, you know, whatever the Holy Spirit speaks to you to do, obviously you flow in that. But I learned a long time ago, multiple streams is wisdom. All right, multiple streams of income. All right, when it comes to just living, living on giving. All right, it's not that, not that there's not seasons for it and everything. Else. I'm just telling you when it comes to wisdom, because uh, and 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 even if it's starting something on your own, to contract and everything else, so you can make your own time to do all the ministry you want to do, but also keep your options open when it comes to multiple streams. Don't just think you got to shut this off. That's 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 eighties and nineties word of faith. All right, that's not that's not new millennium kingdom thinking. You know, I mean, Paul had a business, and he was an apostle, and, and that's that's a new breed of leader in, in this season. That's realizing, you know, what it's not all this or all that. It's both and rather than either or. But Father's not only uh, he's not only opening the right doors, but uh, he's also, uh, he's aligning you in right places, but he's also shifting some alignments from others. I don't know if that make, if that makes sense because where he's taken you, there's some from your past that don't get it. Uh, they don't understand it or they only view you a certain way and not that they're not good people, but they just can't see what you see and what God sees and what others have seen because of familiarity and everything else. And so, uh, I, what I see is this incredible excitement about the alignments that's taking place. Because when, when our alignment is in proper order, you know, like when you, when you have a car that's aligned, you can take your hands off the wheel and not go in the ditch. When the alignment's off, you have to keep your hands on the wheel. And sometimes in ministry, it's like we've got to keep our hands on the wheel because our alignment is off, whether it's relationships, whether it's those we're connected to. But when alignment is proper, we can take our hands off the wheel. We ain't going to go in the ditch. Because ultimately, he don't want our hands on the wheel. He's like, let me drive. All right, and, and let's go move forward in this. And so uh, he's putting all that in the right places uh, and shifting all that around. And there's no doubt, uh, because obviously he's connected them to you in, 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 in some form. Yeah, yeah. And, but but I, I, I see that increasing also, because there's a lot that she's carrying 
uh, that can help you guys because she's been where you're going also. And uh, I, I just see just incredible. I mean, when it comes to salvation, it's just it's the word sozo is just all over all over the top of, of your heads because it's about bringing salvation. It's bringing wholeness and completeness to people. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, what's the name of your ministry? Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, listen... Exactly. I'm telling you, a lot of times, yeah, a lot of folks call themselves Christians need to be saved to Christ. Yeah, because they don't really know what, they don't know what it means to follow Jesus. They know what it means to sometimes follow a system or a book, but not Jesus. And, uh, ultimately it's still all about following Him. And so, uh, man, there's just some, just some fun stuff getting ready in your future. You're getting ready to go on the funnest ride you've ever been on. And the glory of your latter years are going to be greater than all your former. Uh, all, all, everything else has been preparation. Uh, this next 20 years, just, just get ready. You're going to have a lot of fun. But it's going to be a wild ride. You hear that? It's going to be a wild ride. You're going to be rocking and rolling in Jesus' name. I mean, just fun stuff and good stuff. That's Yeah, that's, that's, that's more than exciting. Yeah, I think I'd even take that word. That one, that one even, even encouraged me. Man, what, what's your name back there, man? Greg? Uh, what, what do you do, Greg? Uh, Kirsten. Kirsten. Okay. Um, listen, man, I'm telling you, every time uh, I look back at you, uh, man, there's just, I mean, God's given you a mind uh, to question, to think, a deep calling into deep. I mean, man, every time I look back at you, I'm like, just teacher, 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 teacher. There's just a, a strong teaching grace, and, and, and God's developing it in this season. Uh, but it's, it's, it's about, it's about teaching, uh, not just what you're indoctrinated with. And, and listen, I love all Bible schools, Emerge. I mean, uh, Karis, love all of them. But a lot of times, uh, a lot of times what Bible schools do is they indoctrinate us on what we should believe rather than, and what we should think rather than teach us how to think. And, and God's always given you a mind to say, wait a minute. Uh, I'm not sure that makes any sense to me. And, and that doesn't always fit in some systems because then you're viewed as at times, you know, rebellious. And sometimes you just stop asking questions because, you know, I did it for years. I mean, I was, I was, when I was in Bible school, when I'd raise my hand, the teachers would go, Oh no. You know, I mean, cause I just like that don't make no sense. You know, you're going to have to help me with that. And because I said so, it doesn't work. You know, oh, well, it's in the Bible. I mean, that, that don't help me either. All right, I mean, I want to know the context, the Greek, the Hebrew. I mean, you better break it down a little bit more for me, you know. And so uh, Father's just put, man, I mean, just a huge grace in you uh, for that. And and you've been growing in it and growing in it and growing in it. I mean, keep doing what you're doing, but uh, but continue from there. Uh, and and I, I don't know if that means even a continued education uh, after this uh, because uh, somehow I think the teaching grace on you um, – and I'm, I'm, you know, again, you, you, you talk to the Holy Spirit about this. Uh, but I just see a big DR dot over your head. And, and so you, you might want to really pray, uh, also, uh, because I think God's going to take you, uh, even into some areas of, of teaching that, uh, it's going to need more education. Uh, because it's about carrying what you're learning into places that normally wouldn't even be open to it. 
But there's a grace on you to be able to, to be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove, and say it in a way that won't be offensive. And teach it in a way that won't be offensive. And God's going to continue to teach you how to do that. Even with jaded looks looking at you, and people looking at you like you have lost your mind, uh, they're, they're, they're still going to receive it because there's just a, a grace on you for it. And, uh, and so just obviously, you, you know, you pray about that, but, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if future, if masters and doctorate and all that, don't, don't, don't think that sometimes the charismatic world makes fun of that. You know, sometimes the charismatic world is, well, you're going to go to cemetery. I mean, seminary, make fun of that, you know, but then when you actually get around people, we're living in a culture right now, millennials are extremely educated and they don't respect stupidity. You know, I mean, when I'm declaring Greek words, they're normally looking them up on their phones while I'm, while I'm talking about it. They're checking up on, on your stuff. And then we're living in more and more of an educated world. And having Holy Ghost education is first. But then also getting the other education, it'll open doors for you in the future. And so uh, don't, don't resist that. And, uh, and I'm going to say this pretty boldly. Don't let others make fun of that. Hear that? I mean, the, because of where, where, where Father's going to take you in the next 30 years, uh, it's going to be uh, integral. And so, uh, anyway, it's an interesting word. I, I actually never shared that uh, word over anybody before. And, uh, but I'm telling you, I see it all over you. Doctor. Folks just might say, what's up, Doc? Yeah, well, that's kind of fun, actually. I don't ever call myself that. I, I actually, I have a, a doctorate in ministry. I just, I don't, anyway, I'm like, I, I, until it was a, I didn't do a PhD. So I'm like, until I actually put the work in, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do that. So anyway, but it impresses some people. It opens some doors that don't impress me, but anyway, I get called doc by folks that don't even know that anyway, you know, they're, sometimes I think they hear wisdom and they're like, he's got to be a doctor or something. I don't know. It's like whatever. There you go. I mean, that's 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 not that's not a bad thing. Yeah, doc, doc, doc's actually that's that that's actually a good thing. Um, now uh, I hadn't met you all before, right? Um, and you guys, where are you all from? Colorado Springs originally. Okay, and where are you guys a part of Emerge? I mean, what brought you up here? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you're a part of that, aren't you? Ah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I mean, my 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 daughter's a a worship pastor, and I mean, she was looking at I think one of you guys' videos the other day, and I said, "Worship mom, where do I know that from?" And then all of a sudden, Chris's face on there said, "That's the place Chris goes to." And my daughter's like, "You know these people?" I'm like, "You know." Well, I can now say, "Yeah, I, you know." I, no, all of them. I knew Chris, and yeah, and I knew Nate had been there, but yeah, I hadn't actually met y'all yet. Um, uh, man, that's that all makes a whole lot of sense then. Um, so, I mean, are, are a bunch of the songs that have come out of there come out of y'all also? Because I know teams and everything else, yeah. Because um, I... Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you.
<laughs> Beautiful. That's awesome. I receive that. Thank you. Seriously, receive that. Um, but I also was just, I was hearing this, because um, you, both of you play instruments? You do. Okay. So words and music. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of that's what I was hearing is the words and the music. Um, you know, the, the, there's a passage in Psalms where it says, singing to the Lord a new song. But then we rarely quote the next verse. The next verse says, let the children of Zion sing aloud in their bed, not the children of Sinai. So the new song is a new covenant song. It's not about what's dropping out of the sky. It's about what's flowing out of the church. And, and this is a season where what the church is screaming for right now is not just biblical songs, but new covenant songs with the right sound, with the right words. And, 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 and father already, uh, this, you've already been having encounters, but he's getting ready to wake both of you up a lot in the middle of the night and just, and, and I just heard this. There's some things you do in secret, like in the closet that you got to come out of the closet with. Uh, there's even some worship. There's a flow that comes out of you in the secret place that sometimes you don't realize needs to also be out in front of others in the public. But there's, there's many, there's literally dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of new covenant songs. Uh, it's words and music. And then there, are, there will be time also where words will also flow out of there. But then they're going to flow, not just because you're called worship mob, but it's literally going to go to the nations. Uh, I mean, the, the, the nations will be singing. Uh, the songs, but what they're going to be open to is the songs of Zion. People are closing off to the songs of Sinai. You know, the, these are the days of Elijah. No, they're not. Okay, the, those songs, the only people open to those songs are those still under law. These are not the days of Moses. Moses never restored righteousness. You couldn't be righteous under Moses. Okay, the, 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 these are not those, these are the days of Jesus. And as the days of Jesus, it is declaring his beauty and his wonder. And, and, and Father's going to also begin to open up uh, more doors for that. It's not just Internet stuff. Um, but also also get ready for uh, maybe even some open doors in some larger venues uh, and even some television areas. I don't know everything you guys are seeking for uh, right now, uh, but uh, Father already knows it all. And, and the truth is, because of you also being a part of this, uh, there's a whole new health and life that's going to flow out also. Because uh, it's not just singing unto the Lord a new song, a song of Zion, but it's literally going to be new because you've been renewed. It's, it's, it's that renewing that's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to flow like a river. And that's, uh, that's going to be beautiful. And then are, are, are these yours? Two of ours. Okay, how many more do you have? So you have four. Yeah, well, we know that, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah spiritual kids everywhere. Yeah, I, I get you. Well, and, and you guys already know this, but, you know, this is a generation that aren't looking for preachers, looking for moms and dads. And, and that mother in Zion and that, and, that, and that father in Israel, I mean, is what, what they're longing for. But uh, also... There's some things uh, you've actually said to the Lord before. Lord, we've had so many prophecies over our life. How are we going to do all these? How are we ever going to accomplish these? I remember years ago I said that to the Lord. We'd, I'd received so many prophetic words. I was like, God, how am I going to do all this in my lifetime? And Holy Spirit whispered to me. He said, 
when I speak to you, I'm not just speaking to you, but all the seed that's going to come out of you. I mean, he spoke to Abraham and Abraham went looking for a city whose builder and maker was God, but he never found the city because it wasn't a place. The city was in his loins because we are today now the children of Abraham. All right. The city is a people. It's not a place. And there's literally a city in a movement uh, that is going to flow out of your hearts, but also your natural children. There's some amazing things in the nations that God is going to do through them because there's a lot of things God spoke to you. Actually, it was there to come through you. Uh, and declaring to them, and as 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 they sense that 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 transparent heart of worship before God is going to constantly draw them uh, also. And so, I mean, do, are they already do they sing? Do they play instruments? Do they? I mean, I'm sure they all have different gifts and graces. But I I, I would encourage you though. I would encourage you, especially when it comes to instruments, because I believe it's going to be a part of their future, whatever it is. I mean, to encourage that doesn't mean you make them do it. Obviously, I mean, they got to want to do it. Uh, but, but it's, it's, but it's going to be a big part also of their future because you've got enough people around you that can train them, uh, and, and do all that. But, uh, yes, some greatness going to flow out of them. So that's, that's some good stuff. Yeah, that's, that's fun. Papa's was faithful with all that stuff. He just is. He's good and faithful with it. Good and faithful with it. Good and faithful with it. Um, and I, I just heard this to encourage you and your whole family. Um, right at the beginning, Shalise said something. She said, uh, you know, the father's even concerned about what keeps us up at night. And uh, just just heard Heavenly Father say, listen, stop, stop being concerned about some of what you're concerned about. He's got it. He's got every one of your kids. He's got He's got everything in the palm of his hand. Just... Relax. Hear that? Uh, and and I, know, I, I know a lot of people here have heard this before because I think Nate preached a whole message here. But, you know, just remember that you're only responsible to and you're not responsible for. And I know sometimes we know that, but we start to make ourselves responsible for others rather than realize we're only responsible for us. But we're responsible to uh, others. And uh, it's just... He's got it. Just relax. Remember all that, all that old teaching. Just let it go. You know, just watch Frozen about ten times, and just let it go, let it go. Trust me, when I'm home, we watch it about fifteen times because my granddaughter loves that show. You know, over and over. And I'm like, after a while, I'm like, okay, God, you're trying to tell me to let it go. I'm, I'm gonna let it go in Jesus' name. But sometimes it's just letting go of that, those old ways of thinking that cause us to be concerned about stuff because we were afraid that we don't really have to be afraid of anymore because we can trust that he's got all of us in the palm of his hand. Relax. I mean, I mean, some of the stuff I've been through with my son, if it had been 20 years ago, I'd have lost my mind. And instead, I've been able to be absolutely at peace knowing God's got him. I'm, I'm not responsible for it. Papa, he's yours. Man, he, he believed when he was young, he ain't going nowhere. He's in heaven already. I ain't freaking out about him not going to heaven because he's doing some stupid stuff. It will affect how much of heaven flows through him, not whether he gets there. Uh, and he knows that, and he's been taught that. But I'm like, you know what? He's 22 years old now. He's grown. I'm not. I'm not he's the father's, not mine. My expectations are off. And it actually actually set me free when I did a, 
I did a session with Nate about three years ago, and I've removed all the expectations off my family. God had me literally remove all the expectations off my wife and my two kids. They literally felt it the next day. Literally walked up to me and said, what, what, what's going on? Like, well, like, what happened? And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, something different. And I'm like, I don't have any expectations of you anymore. Your God's not mine. You know, it doesn't mean I still don't want you to clean your room. I mean, there's some healthy expectations, but you understand what I mean. I mean, the expectations sometimes that we put on ourselves. So just, uh, just rest with that. Rest with that. Everybody lift your hands, would you? Father, I, I thank you tonight. I thank you for every precious son and daughter in this building. Lord, I thank you that you also speak to us on a daily basis as we listen and submit our hearts and voices to you and uh, use us. Use us mightily for your kingdom purpose, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.